Almighty and everlasting God, who hatest nothing that thou hast made, and dost forgive the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of thee the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen. Hello and welcome to the Anglo-Catholic Podcast for the second day of April 2006. I'm your reader, John J. O'Sullivan. Today is the fifth Sunday in Lent, commonly called Passion Sunday. In addition to our celebration of this day of resurrection, the Church commemorates the life of St. Francis of Paula, confessor. The Churches of the Anglican Communion also commemorate the life of Blessed James Lloyd Breck, priest. Let's begin today's podcast with a reading from the book of Jeremiah at the beginning. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree, that is to say, an almond branch which had hastened into blossom. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word and to perform it. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the base thereof is from the north. That is to say, the pot was boiling over toward the south. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all of their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, 
I have made thee this day a defensed city, and an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Here endeth the lesson. From a sermon by St. Leo the Pope. Amongst all the solemn feasts which are kept by Christians, we are well aware, dearly beloved, that the Paschal mystery holdeth first place. The observances of all the year are ordered to the end of preparing us to celebrate duly and worthily this one mystery. But the days which have now come upon us make an especial claim on our devotion, seeing that they are those which be in immediate preparation for that most glorious mystery of the divine mercy. The holy apostles themselves, taught doubtless by the Holy Ghost, ordered a strict fast to be kept on these days, that by sharing together Christ's cross with him, we may too in some measure partake in what he did for our sake, as the apostle saith, We are the children of God. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. He that is partaker of the sufferings of the Lord hath a sure and certain hope of that blessedness which he hath promised unto us. To no one, no matter what be the circumstances of his life, dearly beloved, is denied a share in this glory of partaking in Christ's sufferings, as if times of calm were without their occasions of ex exercising strength. The apostle giveth us this warning, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Therefore, so long as godliness is not lacking, neither is persecution lacking. The Lord himself saith in one of his own exhortations, He that taketh not his cross, and followeth after me, is not worthy of me. And we must not doubt that these words of Christ apply not only to his immediate disciples to whom he spake them, but belong to all the faithful, and to the whole church. For the church in the person of believers which were present and heard these words, believed and heard on behalf of all them who would afterwards accept the way of salvation in the church. As then, it is the duty of the whole body of the church to live godly, so also it is the duty of all, of all times to be a bearing of the Master's cross, in that not only in the mystical body in general, but individually in the person of each member thereof, though each and every one supporteth the weight of the cross in his own way and measure. The one common name for all their carrying of the cross is persecution, but the manner of suffering special to each. Now there is often more danger from a foe lurking in ambush than from the open enemy. Blessed Job, who was well tried in this world by alternate changes of good and evil, said devoutly and truly, is there not an appointed time for man upon earth? That is, is not man's life appointed as a time of trial? The attack upon the faithful soul cometh not alone in bodily pains and suffering. For if the health of the bodily members be sound, often the soul is grievously sick of longing for fleshly indulgence. But since the flesh, flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, the rational mind must be disciplined by the carrying of the cross in such wise that, albeit the soul is enticed by evil desires, the will refuseth to give consent.
by reason of the piercing of the nails of continence and the fear of God. Here endeth the lesson. A lesson from the Holy Gospel according to John. At that time Jesus said unto the multitude of the Jews, Which of you convinceth me of sin? And so on, and that which followeth. A homily by St. Gregory the Pope. Dearly beloved brethren, consider the gentleness of God. He came to take away sin, and he saith, Which of you convinceth me of sin? He who in virtue of his Godhead was able to justify sinners did not disdain to shew by an appeal to reason that he was not himself a sinner. But verily the words which he addeth are exceeding awesome. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Wherefore, if he that is of God heareth God's words, and if one who is not of God is not able to hear God's words, let each one ask himself, do I, in the ear of my heart, hear God's words, and understand whose words they are? The truth commandeth us to long for our fatherland in heaven, to bridle the lusts of the flesh, to turn away from the glory of the world, to covet no man's goods, and to bestow freely of our own. Let each of you, therefore, think within himself, if the voice of God soundeth loud in the ear of his heart, for thereby will he know whether he be of God. Some there be whom it pleaseth not to hear the commandments of God, even with their bodily ears. And some there be who receive the same with their bodily ears, but whose heart is far from them. And some also there be who hear the words of God with joy, so that they are moved thereby even to tears. But when their fit of weeping is past, they turn again to iniquity. They who despise to do the words of God certainly cannot be said to hear them, Wherefore, dearly beloved brethren, call up your own life before your mind's eye, and then ponder with trembling those awful words which the mouth of the truth spake. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. The truth speaketh these words concerning the reprobate, but the reprobate make manifest the same thing concerning themselves by their evil deeds. Thus immediately followeth, then answered the Jews, and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan, and hast a devil? Hear now what the Lord saith to so great an insult. I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. The Lord said, I have not a devil, but he did not say, I am not a Samaritan. For in a sense a Samaritan he was indeed, since the word Samaritan is by interpretation a watcher, and the Lord is that watcher of whom the psalmist saith, that except he keep the city, any other watchman waketh but in vain. He also is that watchman unto whom crieth Isaiah, Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? Wherefore the Lord did not say, I am not a Samaritan, but I have not a devil. Two charges were brought against him, one he denied, to the other his silence gave assent. Here endeth the lesson. Concerning the life of St. Francis of Paula, a reading from the Anglican Breviary. Francis was born about 1416 at the village of Paula in the province of Calabria, Italy. For his parents 
had asked God for a son, whom when he was born they named Francis after the great saint of Assisi, whose intercession they had sought. And they reared him in the fear of God, and sent him to a Franciscan friary to be taught. There he learned Christian hardihood and discovered that fasting is the road to self-conquest. So at the age of fifteen, with his parents' consent, he became a hermit, and the extreme abstinence, poverty, and lowliness which he practiced made him gay and joyous, in such wise that by the time he was twenty, he had attracted companions who wished to share his life. These all desired, as he did, to make reparation for the lukewarmness of Christians, and to show how joyful a thing it is to serve Christ bravely. So together they founded the Order of Friars Minim, because they desired to be the least of men. Penance, especially fasting and lowliness, was made the basis of their rule, and charity their motto. Francis became a notable preacher, and was revered as a prophet and wonder-worker. One of his friaries was nicknamed House of Miracles because of the marvels told concerning their faith, which enabled God to take care of them, there in wondrous fashion. And when Francis rebuked King Ferdinand of Naples, and his two sons for their way of life, this king sought to imprison him, but could not, because no one would carry out his order against the beloved saint. About this time, King Louis XI of France was slowly dying of an apoplectic fit, and so wroth was he against everyone and everything, that all men feared to approach him. This king had sent for Francis to come and heal him, and when Francis would not come in response to lavish promises of royal favor to his order, the king got the pope to command him by virtue of holy obedience. Now when he arrived, the king fell on his knees and begged for healing, whereupon Francis told him that even kings must obey the divine decrees of sickness and death. However, he tarried with the king to comfort him, which same finally died in his arms in penitence and resignation to God. But the son of King Louis, Charles VIII, and Charles' successor, Louis XII, would not suffer Francis to return to Italy, so much did they depend upon his example and counsel. Thus it came to pass that he died in France, namely at Tours on Good Friday of 1507, worn out at last by penance and fasting, in the 91st year of his age. He was buried at Plessis, where his incorrupt body was venerated until it was destroyed by the Huguenots, some 55 years later, in 1519, he was canonized and revered as the patron of Naples. Here endeth the lesson concerning the life of Blessed James Lloyd Breck, a reading from Lesser Feasts and Fasts. James Lloyd Breck was one of the most important missionaries of the Episcopal Church in the 19th century. He was called the Apostle of the Wilderness. Breck was born in Philadelphia in 1818, and like many important churchmen of his time, was greatly influenced by the pastoral devotion, liturgical concern, and sacramental emphasis of William Augustus Muhlenberg. Breck attended Muhlenberg School in Flushing, New York, before entering the University of Pennsylvania. Muhlenberg inspired him, when he was 16 years old, to dedicate himself to a missionary life. The dedication was crystallized when Breck, with three other classmates from General Theological Seminary, founded a religious community at Neshota, Wisconsin, which in 1844 was on the frontier. Neshota became a center of liturgical observance, of pastoral care, and of education. Isolated families were visited, mission stations established, and probably for the first time since the revolution, 
Episcopal missionaries were the first to reach the settlers. The Neshota House flourished and became one of the seminaries of the Episcopal Church. The religious house ideal did not. Breck moved on to St. Paul, Minnesota, where he began the work of the Episcopal Church. At Gull Lake, he organized St. Columba's Mission for the Chippewa. It laid the foundation for work among the Indians by their own native priests, although the mission itself did not survive. In 1855, Breck married, and in 1858 settled in Fairbolt, Minnesota, where his mission was associated with one of the first cathedrals established in the Episcopal Church in the United States. He also founded Seabury Divinity School, which latter merged with Western Theological Seminary to become Seabury Western. In 1867, Breck went on to California, inspired principally by the opportunity of founding a new theological school. His schools at Benicia, California, did not survive, but the five parishes which he founded did, and the church in California was strengthened immensely through his work. He died prematurely at the age of 55 in 1876. Here in the lesson, let us pray. We beseech thee, Almighty God, mercifully to look upon thy people, that by thy great goodness they may be governed and preserved evermore, both in body and soul. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. O God, who dost exalt the humble, who didst raise up thy blessed confessor Francis to the glory of thy saints, grant we beseech thee that by his merits and by the imitation of his humility we may attain with gladness to the rewards that thou hast promised to them that are lowly of heart. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Teach thy church, O Lord, we beseech thee, to value and support pioneering and courageous missionaries, whom thou callest, thou didst call thy servant James Lloyd Breck, to preach and teach and plant thy church on new frontiers. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen. And with that, this ends today's edition of the Anglo-Catholic Podcast. As always, I am your reader, John J. O'Sullivan, praying that the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, blesses and keep us now and forever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. The Anglo-Catholic Podcast is sponsored by the Church of St. Anthony of Padua in Hackensack, New Jersey. Whether you live, work, or are visiting the greater North Jersey, New York metro area, come and worship with us. On Sundays, a low Mass in Spanish is at 8 a.m. and a high Mass in English at 10 a.m. For directions, service times, or for more information, call Father Brian Laffler at 201-489-4728 or check out her website at www.stanthonyhackensack and Hackensack is spelled H-A-C-K-E-N-S-A-C-K dot org. The Church of St. Anthony of Padua is affiliated with Ford and Faith North America and the American Anglican Council.